Come on, Doc. <clears throat> Are y'all excited that we have Doc Russell helping us out this several weeks here? He asked me, how long do you want me to go? I said, how much you got? <laughs> so, amen. Thank you, sir. You all are so easy to talk to. Marty, we're, we're blessed, aren't we? It's just you all, you all easy. And uh, so it's so good to be back. We missed Sunday, and uh, we truly missed not being here Sunday. It is so wonderful to have a church like this to go to. Isn't it, isn't it guys? You know, it's just uh, what, what would we do without this church? We'd be... Me and Liberty would be lost, I tell you. Anyway, ah, Gog and Magog, that sounds scary. It's not a, it's not a movie, it's real. And um, we're going to talk about that tonight. And I put this talk together and I got to looking at it and I thought, there's not much inspirational in this talk. It's educational and it's informative for sure. And... So I decided we need something inspirational. So y'all know I like prophecy, obviously. That's what I'm up here doing, talking about prophecy. So we have, I thought, prophecy. Why did God put prophecy in the Bible? A lot of reasons. You know, I think maybe one is so non-believers could look at things that happened in history that came true and say, oh my gosh, that can't just be coincidence. So I wondered... Okay, what are the mathematical probabilities that Bible prophecy is right beyond just random chance? So there have been a lot of prophets in history. You know, Nostradamus comes to mind. I, you know, he's, he's kind of a fruit loop, but he's a famous prophet, and he's supposed to have made all these prophecies. Well, if you look at them, they, they really didn't come true. So, you know, prophets of man are not going to be 100% accurate. God has to be. He has to be 100% right all the time. If not, you know, obviously we know what the mockers would make. So I looked, at, I looked up some stuff. There are about, believe it or not, 300 prophecies about the life of Jesus that have been fulfilled, that were fulfilled by his earthly ministry. That kind of blew my mind, but that's what I found out, about 300 and they come in different sizes. But so I thought, okay, if I'm going to make predictions on something and I'm going to predict what's going to happen 10 years or 20 years from now, of course, these prophecies, some of them were made thousands of years before he was even born. If I made some predictions, I might be able to pull off two or three things that happened and, you know, and, and be right. 300 prophecies. So what is the mathematical probability that that's not just chance. Hunter, you got that slide? That's it. Okay, I'm, I'm not a statistician or much of a mathematician, but the likelihood of 300 things happening by chance is whatever that number is. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. And uh, it's, it's really a number that's too hard to even comprehend. But tr honestly, I, I did look all that up, and that's what it came <laughs> I didn't dream that up. So numbers like that are hard to imagine. So we've got a little way to imagine that. 
Hunter, if you'll put that next slide up there. That one. Um, yeah. So in order to illustrate this probability of the number, get you a dime, and that gives the dimensions. Now imagine that someone takes the earth and hollows it out and starts filling it with dimes. He or she would need to fill 10 earths full of dimes to represent all of the chances associated with these prophecies. Next, let us paint one of the dimes red. Now the probability that one person fulfilled all of these prophecies by chance would be the same as one blindfolded person picking the one red dime the first time. So, <laughs> yet history and the Bible demonstrate that these prophecies are all true of Jesus. The prophecies tell us that Jesus is the Messiah. He is God. So, that has nothing to do with Ezekiel 38 and 39. But uh, that's, I thought, inspirational. So, we'll go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, quite a character. Uh, he um, was a prophet around Jerusalem, uh, primarily around the time of Jeremiah. They were around the same time around 580 B.C., give or take. And uh, being a prophet was not very profitable. Uh, people didn't like prophets because they usually were telling them all of their sins and what they were doing wrong and what was going to happen to their nation, to Jerusalem, if they didn't fix their ways. And, you know, people don't like to hear that stuff. And, um, but he was right. Uh, 586 B.C., the Babylonians came, destroyed Jerusalem, and then they led the remnant of the Jews that were left, the ones they didn't kill, uh, off to Babylon, as was prophesied previously for about 70 years. So Ezekiel uh, did a lot of his prophesying while he was in Babylon with his wife. Actually, the, it's amazing how, how they can date this stuff. The, his last recorded prophecy was in April of 571 B.C., which was 16 years after the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. And his span of prophesying occurred over the course of about 22 years. Um, so, Ezekiel's a big book, but we're going to look mainly at 38 and 39. And I want you to know now, there are diff as we go through this, there are different opinions uh, among people about how to interpret Ezekiel 38 and 39. Um, what I'm presenting to you guys is the culmination, more or less, of... Again, over 30 years of, of looking at this stuff and reading it and studying it, and it, it really makes the most sense. And what I'm presenting to you guys, I would say, is by far the most popular uh, way of interpreting these uh, chapters. And they're really not hard. If you just look at them and take them at face value, once you just know what these funny names are, they make perfect sense. So what I wanted to do is make you guys aware of what these things are, the names. And what you're going to see is, I got goosebumps now, absolutely for the first time, we're, we're living in an exciting time right now, and for the first time in recorded history, you all, we're going to see the events of Ezekiel 38 and 39 occurring right in front of our very eyes today. And I've got photographs to prove it. It's never happened before. So that to me is inspirational. So, again, the, the whole scheme of this was I wanted to talk about prophecy and current events, and this is about as current as you get. Um, I think the, um, 
the, the preface to my presentation, and that's a lot longer than the presentation, but I wanted to give you all this foundation, again, to help us all together understand what we're talking about here. As you know, um, I want to comment a bit more on Ezekiel 36 37 very briefly because it shows a panorama. God shows through Ezekiel a panorama of Israel. And in 36, God is speaking fertility to the land. Remember, God prepared the land which was barren for the Jews before he brought the Jews in. And people came in and started to cultivate the land, and God brought it back from desolation. And that's in 36. In chapter 37, God speaks of the Valley of Dry Bones, which we've talked about, which is a vision of the, the nation of Israel rising out of just dead, dry bones. And then in 38, 39, we're going to talk about just a, a devastating coalition of terrible countries that will come together and invade Israel in future years. Um, so it's, it's really comes in order pretty much of, of what history has shown. And as you know, the Bible's not always in order. It's stuff here and stuff there. But Ezekiel, he just lays it all out there. So the, these chapters are about Islamic countries. They're all Islamic, we're going to talk about, that form this coalition, which is interesting because that's with what's going on in the world right now with Islam and direct competition with Judaism and certainly the anti-Semitism that we're seeing that's increasing worldwide. It's increasing all the time. Um, and there are countries that we're mainly going to talk about are Russia, there's Russia again, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and some other Islamic African nations. So um, basically they're going to come together to steal resources that Russia wants. And boy, don't we know a lot about Russia in the last two months? Haven't we seen what that country is capable of doing? Um, I'm not saying Putin's going to be Gog uh, at all. I'm not sure he will. From what I can tell about his health, uh, I think there's some real questions uh, what's going on with this guy. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine, but we, we're seeing what evil can do in, in its purest form. But anyway, they're going to come together because Israel is going to have something that Russia wants. And I'm just going to say, this is a spoiler alert, I'm going to say follow the oil and the gas, and you know, that's in the news right now. And uh, we'll, we'll show that that almost certainly is gonna be what Russia's coming after. And um, what I wanted to do, and also, is y'all know how to learn. All of y'all have learned a lot of stuff in your life. But what I wanted to help do is help learn how to learn about current events and Bible prophecy. Because, you know, in a few weeks or months or a year, you're gonna kind of forgot what we talked about tonight or you're not gonna remember all the details and I'm not either. But maybe you'll see something in the news that pops up and you'll say, oh, I remember Randy Russell saying something about that, you know, a year ago or two months ago 
whatever, because you're going to see these alliances coming together closer than they are now. They're pretty close right now. And so I, I, I'm wanting to really instill that joy, I guess, for lack of a better word, for being able to see what's going on in the world and say what in the world is going on, and here's what the Bible says about it. So that's part of my goal is to instill that into you. And um, we're going to talk about geography tonight. Hunter, if you'll put that map up there of the Middle East. I want to, yeah. I just wanted to kind of a, a review of the, of the geography of the area that we're talking about because, you know, Israel, you can barely see it. It's that brownish spot there, right there in the middle. And I threw this up there for a couple of reasons. One is to show you how, again, how tiny Israel is. But look how big Iran is to the right. And Saudi Arabia and Turkey. And Russia goes on forever. That's the yellow up in the top. I mean, it, it goes to the stairs over there almost. Um, but I wanted you to see the geographical relationship. You can see Syria in the green that borders Israel at the Golan Heights, which we've talked about. Um, then Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, so on and so forth. So to just kind of give you all a, no pun intended, a God's eye view of the geographical area that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, notice Sudan there in the green right in the middle bottom. We're going to talk about that. Libya, top left. And, you know, it's interesting too. I'll just throw Egypt, we're not going to talk about. Uh, Egypt has always been an enemy of Israel. Always, forever. It's one of their worst enemies in you know, all of the wars that Israel's fought that we've talked about. They're not in this group we're going to talk about tonight. And guess what? They have, nobody thought that Israel and Egypt would ever sign a peace treaty, but they did. You know? And so Egypt is not a big player now. So the, the lack of certain countries is almost as important as the presence of certain countries in this prophecy here. Now, we're talking about a coalition of countries, we're about to get to that, that's going to come against Israel in the latter days. And I want to bring this up. I don't know if you'll throw that other one up there. Um, people say, what about the United States in Bible prophecy? Where is the United States? And the answer is, it's nowhere that we know of. I mean, there are some vague references to the young lines of Tarshish that maybe is a reference to Great Britain, and since the United States is an offshoot of Britain, but it, it, they're, they're, that's specul speculative at best. There's, there's no mention of any country like the U.S. Um, also, you, just common sense, if Russia is going to come and invade Israel, historically, the United States has been the greatest ally that Israel has had, and vice versa. It's the greatest ally we've had in the Middle East. Uh, they used to refer to Israel as America's... Uh, unsinkable aircraft carrier because they were our line of defense against the communists over there and they couldn't sink it. But, you know, what about America? Sadly, 
think we all see what's happened to our country. Now, our present dealings with Ukraine, personally, I don't know about you, but I'm really proud of what we're doing for the Ukrainian people. Really proud of, of President Biden and uh, our Congress. I mean, I think we're stepping up where we need to. But, you know, these days are going to pass and the U.S. is going to be left in the situation it's in right now, which, you know, the debt, <laughs> you know, the inflation, everything else. Where is it going to go? I don't know. But I do know that Israel will be alone when this invasion happens. Israel will not have any country coming to her aid. She will be standing on her own two feet. And in the natural, without God intervening, this is... They, there's no way Israel would survive what's coming at her. No way at all. Um, and partly, God's doing that for a reason. So even if you just look at what's going on today, presently, what's going on around Israel right now in the natural looks very, very scary. You've got Lebanon to the north. They've got 150,000 rockets stored in Lebanon to unleash on Israel when the next war comes. And it's coming. I'm not necessarily talking about this one. Um, it's coming. And even more frighteningly, Iran is supplying them with these precision-guided munitions. And you've seen them on TV. You know, they can put one through that door if they want to from 10 miles away. So it's not just the, the numbers of, of missiles, but uh, they can just rain absolute destruction on Israel in the natural. Israel's smart, and they're good, but, well, let's talk about Scripture. I want to kind of talk about who, when, and why as we go through this. So, the first Scripture, Ezekiel 38, 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Kind of mysterious, but not really, when we, we examine this. Uh, so, who is Gog and what is Magog? Gog is a proper name. It's a person. Magog is a place. It's really that simple. As, as the scripture says, set thy face against Gog, this guy from the land of Magog. Um, it's, it's a title, like it says, a prince or a ruler or a dictator. So it's a guy that's from this land of Magog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. So where are these places? Well, I'm going to make the Magog really easy on you. We're not going to go through all the historical reasons why we know this. There are plenty of them. Uh, but all ancient historians say that, that Magog is a land that became Russia. So that's, that's just 100%. Um, what about these strange things, Meshach and Tubal? Um, again, you have to realize that regions, uh, geographical names obviously change through, you know, a couple thousand years, and um, the names of places, and these geographical boundaries are somewhat fluid, 
they can kind of fluctuate. So when we're referring here to a, let's say Turkey, which we'll get to in a minute, it's not necessarily just Turkey, but it's even the surrounding lands. So a lot of these places we're going to talk about, it's not just that particular country that we see the lines on the map today, but it's that geographical area as well. Um, you have that slide, yeah, Tabosk. So a lot of people say that this, um, these names can kind of continue throughout history for thousands of years. So Tobolsk is a, is a major city in Russia. And um, just kind of throw that up there for interest. Again, there you can see the size of Russia. Russia spans 11 time zones. <laughs> That's how big that country is. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I really am. Great, great point. Different translations. We'll mention Ross, which Ross, Russia. I mean, that's not very hard to <laughs> extrapolate from Ross, R-O-S, to Russia. Yes, absolutely. That's just as the King James, but that's a good point. So be aware of that. But yeah, 11 time zones. It's a big place. Um, We'll move on. Uh, Ezekiel 38, 3 through 8. Yes. Ah. Good. Thank you. Good. Oh, they couldn't understand anymore. Uh, that word is used like 600 times in old, starting in the Old Testament. It's still in use today in a lot of these countries. That word rosh. So, so, like you said, those words can, can travel from point A to point B over times of year, you know, thousands of years, and still, still have great meaning. Kind of Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very important point. It's something I meant to do, but I didn't. Um, Marty mentioned Amir Safarding. I'm going to put his name and website and all that up there next week. Um, but uh, yeah, Marty and I have talked about Amir. Um, I'll uh, visit with you more about the, him next week. But uh, great guy. Uh, he, he lives in the Galilee, overlooking the Valley of Armageddon. Uh, retired major from the Israeli Defense Force. <clears throat> believes in prophecy. Uh, Jew. He's uh, believing. Jew now. Hmm? Yeah, born a Jew um, and came to believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah through the Old Testament only. Uh, amazing man, but we'll, we'll talk about him next week. Yes, Behold Israel. Um, he's got tons of videos on YouTube um, and uh, Behold Israel is the organization that he founded and so you can find it uh, there's an app. Y'all know about Telegram, that app? Um, it's an it's a app you can download, <clears throat> and it's really uh, something that he kind of helped get started too because he was, <laughs> he was being banned on Twitter, and you know, he's one of these guys that speaks his mind. Uh, he doesn't worry about political correctness. But anyway, Telegram uh, was devised so people can have free speech. 
but it's a really neat app, and he updates it sometimes 10 times a day, kid you not, with news from the Middle East, which is where he lives. And he has contacts with the, through the Israeli Defense Force. He has contacts in Ukraine, um, so and so forth. The, the Mossad, yeah, so super guy for information. Uh, that's where I get a lot of mine. Um, Ezekiel 38, 3 through 8. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O God. I wouldn't want God to say I'm against you, Randy. That's just kind of a scary sound. And again, he's reemphasizing that he's against this guy, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And this, these following, this following sentence has always gotten my attention. I guess as a physician, and I've seen a lot of fish hooks in mouths, <laughs> it really gets my attention. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth. So I just envision a big old treble hook in this guy's mouth pulling his head aside. So God takes control of evil people to do his bidding, as we've talked about before. And all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now we get into the nations, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, and again, surrounding areas, the house of Togomar of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. So probably other surrounding areas as well. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself thou, and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. So, when is this going to happen? After many days, again, Ezekiel wrote, a lot of days ago, you know, about 600 before Christ was born. After many days, thou shalt be visited in the latter years. When's the latter years? Now, the end times. In the latter years, thou shalt come into the land, we've talked about all this before, that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people, the dispersion of the Jews, against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of all the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. So a lot of people read that, and they go, yeah, I agree, you know, they were dispersed, they were brought back from many nations, and, you know, the land was waste, and now it's blooming, but what's this about dwell safely? Israel safe? Yes. In spite of what you see and hear, Israel is extremely safe. In fact, studies show in the last 10 years, the last decade, is the safest Israel has ever been since the formation of the state in 1948. Now, that's in spite of, you know, terrorist stabbings and all of these hostile nations around her. Still, the fact of the matter is Israel right now is dwelling in, in rather marked safety, and they're coming out with incredible technologies for defense. Uh, they've apparently mastered the, the laser that nobody else can, which is a whole other topic we will get in on. Yeah. I heard last week that Israel is in the top 10 safest places to live in the world. Thank you. Top 10. I don't know where it really ranks in. 
<laughs> it's in the top ten of the safest places. That's amazing. Thank you. It's amazing. To see that little spot. Yeah. See that it is. It is. And I've, I mean, our daughter Brittany is just a real scaredy cat. Brittany's been to Israel twice. And um, she said, Daddy, I never felt so safe as I was in Israel. This was a number of years ago. But, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so anyway, it is a safe area. So God is against Gog. And Marty's always told us that if the Bible says something twice in a row, we need to pay attention to it. So we, we do here. He reemphasizes his name, the chief prince. So let's talk about these other ones. What about Meshach? And Hunter's going to put a, another map up there. There you go. So what is uh, Meshach? If you, I'm going to skip down to 3815. There's not a slide of it, but I'm going to read it just for emphasis here. It says, And now thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. So, what is north of Israel? If you start in Jerusalem and go absolutely straight north, you're going to run through Moscow. Uh, coincidence? I don't know. But maybe not. <laughs> I doubt it. You know, not. But yeah, right through Moscow. Um, it's fine that interesting. Now, if you just keep going, there's no other country north of that. Um, there are some scriptures say the uttermost north. I mean, as north as you can get north is Russia. So that pretty much, again, cinches that we're talking about Russia. Magog is Russia. Now, what about the other countries? Need to stay a little bit humble, you know, without talking about absolutes when we name these countries. Again, time has passed, but we can be pretty certain about some of them. And Persia, there is no doubt about Persia. Uh, Persia is, you know, kind of at the top of the list over there. Yeah, Persia, Ethiopia, etc. Persia has always been Persia until 1935 and they changed their name to the Republic of Iran. <clears throat> so, Persia is Iran. Okay, so what about Iran? Um, scary, again, in the natural, you know, without God taking control of all this stuff and being in control, what is going on in Iran is absolutely frightening, scary, regarding nuclear, the nuclear bomb. Um, and how close, you know, all these talks that have been going on in Vienna, it's just been a horse and pony show. Iran's been just absolutely stalling and stalling, so their centrifuges can keep spinning that enriched uranium out. And they hate Israel. I mean, they, they, they make no bones about it. Um, there's that Brigadier General urges destruction of Israel Da, da, da. And on the right, Iran vows to destroy Israel in future war. And I've seen hundreds of pictures like that. I mean, they're on record. They say that their form of extremist Islam, Israel has to be destroyed. The Jews have to be killed. And any observant Muslim, that's his duty to contribute to that effort, whatever it takes. 
if it's, you know, to slaughter a, you know, three, just four or five days ago, there was, um, there were two Arab Palestinians, age 19 and 20, and they were hitchhiking. This Hasidic Jewish man, man picked them up on the highway and um, doing a good deed, and he drove them to where they wanted to go, and one of them then struck him in the back of the head with an axe and busted his head wide open. Then they jumped out with knives and they killed three, I think three other um, men, just innocent Jewish men. So, and that's part of their mandate. And in fact, um, the leader of Hamas, just recently, in the last two weeks or so, said that it was the duty of everyone, every Arab in the West Bank to kill a Jew. I mean, this is public statements they're making. So, Iran is, is behind the bulk of this. So, Iran is scary. How close are they to the bomb? This, is, this report is 17 days old, and I'm going to read it to you. This is put out by the International Atomic Energy Agency. I mean, if you want authority on something, this is, this is the world authority on what's going on with nuclear stuff in the world. Iran has appreciably increased its stockpile of highly enriched uranium and is coming dangerously close to having enough weapons-grade material to produce a nuclear bomb, according to a report recently released. A confidential report by the International Atomic Energy Agency to its members said Iran had 73 pounds of 60% enriched, enriched uranium as of February 19. Um, 60%. Reactors, like the one in Russellville, you know, nuclear reactors we use for electricity, they're running about 3% enrichment. Just to put this, okay. Um, okay. It's the highest level of enriched uranium ever recorded in, in Iran, up from 39 pounds the agency recorded in early November. So, in November, they had 39 pounds. Then, now they've got 73 pounds. Now, do the math. I mean, that's going up pretty fast. Um, to produce enough weapons-grade nuclear fuel, Iran would need roughly 88 pounds of 60% enriched uranium. Um, if you've heard about centrifuges, the way that they enrich uranium, as uranium is different, atomic numbers in, in nature. The part that you can make a bomb out of is like, uh, I forget, a hundredth of a percent of the overall. So they, they've got this way to spin this stuff in gaseous form, and it separates the ever so slightly heavier element from the lighter one, and then they can concentrate it. Um, Weapons grade is said to be 90%, but it's a very tiny technical step to go from 60% to 90%. It's not a big deal. And it can happen within weeks. And that's called the breakout time. And you'll see this phrase used, the breakout time, <clears throat> from the time that um, they decide to move on with it. Also, really scary, is, and this is a report from Israel, 
different report, said he added that Iran has made significant progress in enriching uranium and also in the production of uranium metal. Metal. There is no civilian use for uranium metal. There's one use for a solid sphere of uranium metal, and that's a nuclear weapon, and that's it. We'll end with that map right there. Um, and uh, I drew that map, uh, the circles on it. Iran has said that Israel is a two-bomb state. That's what they say, two bombs, meaning that they used to say a one-bomb state, but now they're saying two-bomb. So what I did is, is I just did a rough approximation of the destructive radius of a small Hiroshima-sized nuclear weapon and the destructive radius and drew those circles on that map up there. And I say small because nowadays the Hiroshima bomb is small compared to what they can do. Um, so one in the south uh, around Beersheba, one in the north, take out Haifa and the Galilee region. And if you really wanted to throw a third one in in the middle, you could, uh, you know, take out Tel Aviv and maybe not, not hurt Jerusalem. They don't want to hurt Jerusalem. So that's why I said in the natural, without God being in control, guys, this is scary. Really, really scary. Israel said we're not going to let Iran get the bomb. Man, I trust Israel, but things have changed. I mean, they've dispersed their bomb-producing stuff multiple spots. They've dug into granite mountains that no bomb can penetrate. Israel won't let them get a bomb. They've got ways to do it besides nukes, I mean, uh, explosives. But anyway, we'll see what happens. And Any questions? Three minutes. Uh, like I said, you guys are easy. Thank you. Okay.